0: I think the overwhelming factor for me is, well, it's distance. Um, and it's the fact that um, the, the men's and women's race are the same race. As a female, if you like show up to a local woman's road race, um, you're often, you know, sitting there with maybe like six or seven other women if you're lucky. Whereas, you know, you kind of size that up next to a gravel race, and which I was doing so directly because I was showing up to, like, both road races and gravel races. It's like, okay, I get to race a thousand other people. I get to ride, you know, over 100 miles, and I get to do do so in, like, this destination place. Because, I mean, you look at gravel racing, it's, like, it is in some of the most, like, stunning areas. Even if I have, like, the worst race day ever, if my body is, like, not there, if my mind's not there, anything, it's, like, Fact of the matter is, I'm still like getting to ride like a nice long distance in a gorgeous place.
1: From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I'm your host, Trevor. And this is Sheldon. And on today's episode, we continue in what seems to have turned into a pro gravel racer series and talk with DK200 winner and endurance athlete, Amity Rockwell. Sheldon, we are sitting here. On our uh, patio studio, makeshift studio, on what can be described as a, as a, definitely a fall weather evening. It's, it's- kind of one of those days that keeps me in Michigan. Like, no,
2: nowhere else really has quite the fall, autumn season
1: that we have okay i was gonna ask you this because it's it is a sunny day but it's definitely cool leaves are falling a couple of the trees there i'm looking out and
2: i can see a couple of the trees are already turning. is it officially autumn yet yeah i mean we're we're past
1: labor day well yeah so i don't know if if it's technically still summer technically autumn but i was going to ask does the weather and the end of summer, does that excite you? Does it anger you? What, how are you feeling it, it, about It's a
2: catch 22. Yeah. It's my favorite time of year, but always I have the lingering in the back of my mind is here comes here comes winter. Yeah, it's like the it's it's like the Sunday of of seasons, right? Yeah. It's like yeah, I don't have to go to work. I'm enjoying. But boom, I got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. Monday. Tomorrow's winter. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow is winter. But you and I kind of we're talking about this off the the rate, or off the uh, mic this is my favorite time of year when it comes to beer I love autumn beers
1: yeah explain a little bit like what what about yeah. it well the the one that I just truly you're just like you're just like really into pumpkin spice beers oh you yeah love, you, know, you I love, put
2: my Uggs on yeah you got your <laughs> pumpkin spice latte you're just yoga pants and Uggs I mean just put, you, that, you, put that in your mental picture there when I when I think of basic I think of Sheldon <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love Ichabod, which is that uh, it's a pumpkin dark lager. Um, stouts and porters start to come back in, and during the summer, I love my sours and I like my pale ales. But man, come winter, it's just like,
1: give me the Oktoberfest beers, give me the stouts, give me the porters. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Oktoberfest beers. I'm a fan of all that, but. I always go back to the IPAs. I don't know. You
2: you were an IPA fiend and, I am. Uh I mean earlier you had a had a uh all day, now you're drinking a Centennial Centennial. Yeah. Yep. But right when we sat down, you had a straggler of summer. You had an Oberon. It was like the last Oberon of the of the season, I think. Yeah. Well when you you had that, I was like, I'll do it I, I started with an Oktoberfest and then I uh uh yeah, the founder's Oktoberfest. Very good beer by the way. Uh, and then when you were drinking your Oberon, I was like, I gotta do a little bit more summer. So I went back to Sheboygan Brewing Company's, uh, Blood Orange Honey. Pretty solid choice. Nice.
1: And it's a pint, so. This might be the longest that we've, uh, spoke on beers in a while. Since our first episode. Since our first episode. (laughs) Which half the episode was us drinking. Talking about (laughs) beers, but, um. But let's get let's let's talk about cycling because this is the the point of of what we're doing. and speaking of summer and the wrap up of summer i I wanted to bring up um if you don't mind, I wanted to talk a little bit about the crusher some more. yeah, I know that that uh we've devoted a lot of time to the crusher. We've spent a lot of time talking about it, but i I can't help but just keep loving everything I'm seeing about people that are just going and and continuing to to take on the crusher and it's kind of it's kind of been the summer thing in Michigan to do without the racing and so many people have been um attempting either the full 250 or uh the hundred or the 40. Just recently um your bosses went up yeah they went um, and did the hundred Chad and Nicole Cotton went up they crushed I'm sorry that I'm using that it's too it's too easy to say they that but they they rocked the the 100 Crusher as as well, um, along with friend of ours, uh, Dustin Derrick. Who's called in numerous times. Yep. So uh, Dustin, any of our regular listeners probably have heard Dustin's voice on the podcast. Dustin was signed up for the Margie this Margie year. Margie 100. And uh, unfortunately, you know, Margie's not happening. Margie Gessick. So uh, that was kind of the next best thing um, for him to do the Crusher. And I talked with Dustin. He just absolutely loved it. Loved being up there and riding. And then um also a couple other friends of ours, um Lori DeYoung, Teresa Delisle, they went out and tackled the hundred. Speaking of Dustin, he recently called in to tell us a little bit about his crusher experience. So let's hear from Dustin.
3: Hey Dirty Chain Podcast, Trevor Sheldon. This is Dustin Derrick. Uh, just calling with a quick recap uh on the Crusher 100, uh, did that over Labor Day weekend. Um, it was epic. Uh, it was so great. Had a wonderful time. It Was my first time riding uh, mountain bikes in the UP. Um, it was a great introduction to that. I'm ruined now. Uh, I can't wait to go back as as fast as possible. Uh, did the uh, race with uh, Chad and Nicole Cottam with Spin Bicycle Shop and uh, Lindsey Styles with Monkey Lube um and uh man just had an awesome time uh road stuff i've never ridden before i was outside of my comfort zone but just settled in and had an absolute riot um it was definitely challenging uh from you know climbing up hogback it was my first time doing that and uh the the awesome descents were just awesome the technical climbs uh, everything was really good chunky summit hurt i felt that one that one was <laughs> that one i was feeling it a little bit but all in all it was a Super perfect event. I don't want to get too cocky because the weather was the best I think it's been for the event. So we were able to take advantage of the weather. I mean, it was a perfect day uh, on the bike. And uh, another special thing for me is my family uh, was uh, helped run and sag for us. So that was cool. They had almost as much fun as I did uh, uh, with the support along with Mitch Young with Hammer. He'd kind of show up with them and uh, it was really cool uh, to have uh, the support and them cheering us on. Uh, also, uh, two new friends, Chris and Steph, did a great job of support. But anyway, uh, great time. I can't recommend it enough. For all of you who are considering uh, doing it or if you're on the fence, please get out and do it while there's still time. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, I can't wait uh, to get up there and ride again. So uh, anyway, I uh, appreciate the podcast, and uh, uh, hope to uh, see you guys all in the mid-back. Bye.
1: Even more than just uh, personal friends that have been uh, taking it on, I just see on Facebook so many people going up every there. Day. Every day, every weekend. And listen, the weather hasn't been great. It seems like every weekend the weather is trash. But Blame uh, Todd. Blame Todd. I- I'm sure he has a Hasht- weather machine. Hashtag blame Todd. Yeah. But yeah, it just really sparked something and it continues to and i see people going and uh repeating uh the the full distance or the 100 or trying to do every A single bit distance better. so anyways it, it, i hope you didn't mind i just i wanted to talk more about the crusher and how it just it continues to be something super positive it's continued to reverberate through the
2: cycling community and it's i mean you're seeing roadies go out you're seeing mountain bikers go
1: out you're seeing just you know gravel diehards go out yeah so i'm wondering and i I feel like we talked a little bit about this with todd earlier but there's something about this format of go out and do it on your own go out and do it and this like you have a big window um i wonder if that is going to be something that is going to be offered next year, I hope it is. But I, can- I wonder if people are going to, even though technically October, there's a date in October where that it ends where try to do it in between June and October. Um, but I'm wondering if people will continue after the weather, you know, in the new year in spring and summer of next year, they'll just go out and do Crusher EX that the same the same route. I, what I'm curious about is, I'm wondering, are we going to see Crusher EX
2: return next year as the Crusher EX, and is the original Crusher going to kind of get rebranded as an a, as a different event?
1: Okay, so you have an endurance event and a race event. Yeah.
2: And I would love to see that. Yeah. I would absolutely and love to there's the see demand. That. I mean, clearly, yep. there is the demand for it. I guess we just have to talk to Todd again and see if we can
1: like pry some information out of his. Listen, we've given Todd way <laughs> too much time on this podcast. So no more, no more free time, Todd. You're going to have to pay for $80 an hour. <laughs> it's the going rate. Listen, Todd, that's the going rate. So, I mean,
2: I'm sure numerous people have had to go to therapy sessions after him. So it's all just fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Enough of Crusher. We've talked about a Crusher enough. Um, another event that, uh, that went on a couple weekends ago was the Fargo Sub forty eight. Yeah, the bike packing the trip. The bike packing trip. Um looked rad other than it was really rainy. It was a little rainy. I listen, we didn't go, we've never you've never done it, nope. right? Nope. Um but uh we've talked about the Fargo Sub forty eight a couple times. Brett Miller has talked about it on the podcast yep. before, on his on his fresh meat Margie Gessick episode. He talked about Fargo Sub forty eight and taking
2: the, his uh Taking his girlfriend, yep.
1: yeah, uh, Jackie, on on the, it was like her first it bike almost, packing. Almost experience. ruined their relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, um, I think we talked a little bit about it when we talked with Matt and Jenny Acker. Anyways, it was rainy. It was muddy. <laughs> it was muddy, but all the pictures I saw, people were having a blast. Well, my boss Chad, uh, he was
2: handing out shots of fireball.
1: Yeah, Chad and Nicole, they they took part in that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there seemed to be a lot of drinking, which is kind of right up yeah, why, our alley. Why? How did we miss this? <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to say that after we saw pictures of it from la- from this year, uh, Rachel, my wife, was like, "We need to do this next year." And she's like, "I wanna, I want a bike pack. I want to get a bike that can do it. I want, I, I want to. I'm in." So, and you're just like, "Yeah, getting a new bike." <laughs> yeah i'm not I'm, we might have to get her like a fat bike or a... i i don't know like what's the bike of choice for that these are all questions that yeah. i know Brett and jackie they they, rode they fat rode bikes fat.
2: but i know a lot of like i was looking through the pictures and i'd say at least half the bikes were like mount, just standard just mountain, mountain bikes, bikes yeah, yeah yeah
1: but anyways, that looks like a blast um bike packing it's something that sheldon we have been talking about there's something packing. there's something coming something in the works that uh maybe in a in a month the, or so to make 2020 a little better yeah that you and I've been been wanting to or to, to, piecing it together or piecing it together it won't quite be a back or bike packing it's more of a camping base camping bike trip I will say and 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 we want we don't want to give everything away right now but it's it's you know right now in, in 2020 it's hard to get bikes it's hard to get parts it's hard to get this so it's it's we're nice we're running into that it's nice to know someone in the business because uh we have some state of the art builds that we are oh, going to use these things are going to be so rad so uh anyways we'll talk more about that when it comes but uh little little bike packing trip for Sheldon and I coming up in the fall once
2: we're going to be up north when the during the the color change yeah yeah it'll be it'll be great
1: anything else sheldon um actually i i do have something else i wanted to bring up um and it's not so much bike related well we had a bonding moment we did have a bonding mo- so a couple episodes ago that I'm, I'm gonna try to tie this in to the podcast a couple episodes ago we talked with ian boswell now ian boswell is um He lives on a a farm in Vermont. He foraging for food. He's really into the to to the you know produce and this and that. This episode, this episode right now, we talk with Amity Rockwell, who is known for being a foodie, uh, loves baking bread. You and I recently had a run in with some produce. Locally grown. Locally grown. <laughs> this sounds like we're talking it's, about uh, pot. Yeah, like, people are like, "Oh, that's a legal state." <laughs> no, no, no. Um, why don't you set the scene here? Tell them about what occurred when we were at uh, Scott Richard. Scar- Scott Scott uh, <laughs> local cycling friend of ours, and and from the podcast. So we went and grabbed dinner at Ozone, mm-hmm. uh, our a local brew pub
2: around here that has a food truck and. We we're talking spicy food and both Scott and I love spicy food like hotter the better he's from Louisiana I'm some Michigander that's from Scottish bloodline so I don't know where my hot taste buds come from but uh and spoiler alert I thought I liked spicy food yeah, so Trevor kept chiming in on our conversation. so uh afterwards we moved from the bar to around the corner to Scott uh Scott Richard's house and uh he starts pulling out some peppers for me that we had talked about at dinner. And there's it, kind of a hodgepodge, but it included Carolina Reapers. Um, and he he plops down a bunch of peppers for me and I grab one of the Reapers and I cut them. I ask him for a knife. I cut it in half and I hand it to Trevor. He, full knowing what it is, th- there was no like backhanded slide here. No, I'm, I'm fairly certain it was sabotage. There were, no. No. <laughs> things were clear as day what what was about to be eaten <laughs> so trevor just pops this pepper in his mouth and starts chewing and i'm just kind of staring at him like oh okay
1: we're actually doing all right this. hold on so <laughs> i may <laughs> i may have underestimated what this pepper was like <laughs> so you you'd never eaten anything over a million no, s- no 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 scoville units i don't i don't even know what that means i think you just made that up um <laughs> You know when you get, like, a pizza and they have, like, a peppercini thing? Yeah. Yeah, those are good. I like those. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, pickled jalapenos. Like, those are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, this is only, like, 300 times. Honestly, I thought I liked hot food or, like, spicy things. And you guys were talking about ghost peppers and habaneros and all these things. And then you said Carolina Reaper. I've heard of Carolina Reaper.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the name doesn't even sound good. They're, like, toxic waste orange.
1: Listen. Or no, th- these were the red ones. These are, I thought. Red. I think it was orange, but I just thought it would not be what it was, and it was. Uh, I, I was hurting, and I know my like. I've, I know my experience
2: with hot peppers. Yeah. And I know I've eaten some really hot things over the years. So when it when it started to hit me, I just I had a beer next to me, drink the beer, wait out the
1: pain. Well, you you aren't giving yourself. Well, you're giving yourself too much credit, because oh. I heard you were like, I, oh, I down, lay down on the floor. <laughs> well, I laid
2: down. I had to lay down. I I started to get the loops. I had to lay down for a minute. I, I'm i not going to lie. Reapers hurt. Reapers I, are... I don't care how good your taste buds are.
1: They hurt. It was painful, and uh, I went into the bathroom, because I didn't know what was going to happen to me. It was, my mouth was burning, and my stomach wasn't great, and uh, I, I just didn't want... I just sat in the shower, basically. <laughs> <laughs> your wife your wife
2: goes i need to go upstairs and check on trevor i hear upstairs i can hear her talking to all of a sudden she comes back down she goes trevor's not good (laughs) (laughs) and this was when i was laying on the floor i'm just like he'll be okay he'll be okay and i think it was
1: just me like reassuring myself that i'll be okay (laughs) so the next day was it wasn't terrible but it wasn't great my stomach wasn't great. I, yeah, I saw some Facebook posts about you not being 100%. <laughs> but then we rode on Sunday, and I was afraid, like, I was like, okay, let's see what happens. But <laughs> something's going to happen. But it was. Uh, no, we got a great ride on Sunday. We had a, we had a really good gravel ride Perfect on Sunday. Perfect weather. Yep. And uh, it may have been a little slower because of the <laughs> Carolina the Car- Reapers. Carolina
2: Reapers in single speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, I need a bumper sticker. <laughs> carolina
1: reapers and single speed no thank you i will i, I think i told they're you, hot they're no joke i told you this i will not do that again <laughs> you want to try a ghost no ghost is like half as hot i decided uh if if i'm gonna have a pepper like that it's gonna be cooked in something or a Ooh, part of something. I'll have to do my, my Thai chicken for you one of these days. Okay. So I I do a good Thai chicken. We've man, we've talked beer and peppers. Very little cycling. Well on this. I mean Amity's kind of a foodie, so why not? So why don't we just get right into our uh conversation with Amity she my, uh, my future business partner <laughs> oh yeah coffee shop and coffee she, she's a barista one of the best jobs I've ever mm-hmm. had barista I mean come on she's a barista but she's also like she's a person like, I'm an just, incredible <laughs> cyclist an incredible uh, uh, endurance athlete and man what a great conversation I want to thank Ian Boswell who um, got us in contact with Amity and uh, through like their Wahoo um, partnership. And um yeah, what it, it was just so cool to I I didn't really know a ton about her and uh Well oh, she yeah, she came on the scene pretty pretty rapidly. Yeah. Um yeah, let's just jump right into it. Here's our conversation with Amity Rockwell.
2: How's it going today?
0: It's good. I didn't realize you guys were in the same place that's cool I did a, I did a podcast like last week and it was like somebody in Canada and somebody in like Massachusetts or something
2: <laughs> we actually co-hosting. started we started off the pandemic in different areas we we just each stayed home so we I don't know for what like three months all of our interviews were yeah even remote. though we're in
1: the same city but uh, yeah just we we just stayed you know quarantined quarantined yeah um, <laughs> But uh, this whole podcast
2: just came about with us drinking beers on a patio, and his wife was just like. I
0: think most of them come about that yeah. way, as far as I can
1: tell. It's just
2: going to ha- happen naturally. <laughs> and uh, we just moved from a patio drinking beers to now we're just. Still drinking beers. Still drinking yeah. beers.
1: It's, it's- <laughs> what time is it there? <laughs> Hey, 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 hold on! This hey, hey, is that judgment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sensing some heavy judgment here. I'm starting off on a good foot here.
0: <laughs> Where are you guys? Oh, no, I'm so so we're in Michigan.
1: It's east. It's Eastern Standard.
0: Oh, it is, it, oh it's yeah. Afternoon. I have no idea what time
1: it is there. So just, yeah, <laughs> it's 12:03. So
2: we're we're past the moon or uh, past uh, the midday. My only
0: rule is that I ride bikes first and then I drink. So <laughs> okay, I, I rode
2: today, so I get to drink. Well, a there beer. you go. I, I worked on.
1: Course. I worked on bikes today.
0: I worked on bikes. I, I went count yeah so count. and just to make this all
3: about
1: me which it's not all about me but today is my birthday so i get to drink what? all yes. day wait do i get to interview to that.
0: you <laughs> to that.
1: sure go right ahead it'll be a very not interesting uh interview <laughs> uh,
0: i feel like that all the time though like yeah the one i did last week was with tyler hamilton and i was like are you oh, yeah. kidding me like can i ask you some questions <laughs> like uh, yeah. Why are you listening to me? I literally just started riding bikes. Like that would be
1: a fascinating <laughs> <is backwards>. conversation.
0: <laughs> I know. I like. I watched the whole like Lance thirty for thirty thing, and I could tell. I was like, this guy has so much to say.
1: <laughs> Holy cow! That was uh, yeah. That was something else. So, are you in California? Yes. So, are you, how's the whole fire situation? Are you getting some of that? Um, uh
0: l- luckily, I it's totally fine where I am. I am in Santa Barbara um which is notorious for having really really gnarly fires all the time yeah. um but for some reason we were spared in this latest wave of things um the lightning storm which started most of them didn't actually come through here we only got like five minutes of rain and that's all we saw is that so um yeah um all my family and all my friends are in the bay area and um, that's where i grew up and they are having a time their air quality still it's like by the middle of the day it's like go inside <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like don't breathe levels so yeah. yeah i i'm just kind of you know lucky that i happen to move down here um and we're not hit right now but you know
1: how has we'll that area been uh throughout like the quarantine and then like throughout the whole d- d- don't mean to kind of start this on a bummer of a question <laughs> right? but- Everything um, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is it is it a good place to kind of be uh, centrally located and, and get your training in?
0: It is very pleasant. It has never been hit, like, too hard to the point where I was, like, worried about going outside. Um, it's pretty good. Um, I'm used to <laughs> – I'm very used to the, like, NorCal vibes of, like, everybody is, like, fairly liberal and, like, you know – knows what's up and like you know follows the rules and stuff um and as as you like creep south you kind of encounter (laughs) these people who are like a little bit resistant to uh like masks and staying inside and all these good things um so that's been interesting to kind of navigate and like realize that I'm you know kind of living with that side of things too um to put it nicely I guess um (laughs) but I don't know I personally like I don't know, as far as like people go who are, you know, affected or not affected by the pandemic situation, I feel pretty lucky to still, I mean, can't really do my job because I can't race, but I could still go out and ride every day. And, you know, that's largely what my life looks like outside of racing. So that reality just really hasn't changed much for me. But.
2: So in uh, California right now, in Michigan, every race that's kind of big has been canceled, but there were a few kind of first year races that, had small enough fields that they did these wave starts of like 10 to 15 people. Are you seeing any of that over on the West coast too, or is it just pretty much a clean
0: slate? Um, I know there's a few going on in Utah. I just got invited to one in Wyoming. Um, and then California has held a couple like Enduro world series, Mm -hmm. which kind of makes sense to me because like you are kind of more distanced there. Um no, and I no. might feel okay about that if that were the style of racing I did where it's like kind of a you know you go at your time and then you know don't have to be in a pack but um I am definitely not in a place where I'm like yes I want to go hang out with you know hundreds of people Um that's the thing it's like I'm at a point where like I very much feel safe traveling um and I you know feel safe driving to you know Colorado or Wyoming or what, what have you, um, I do not feel like it. I am in the right to encourage hundreds of other people to do so. Um, and I kind of have to realize that, like, in the position I am in now of people, like, looking at me and being like, what is Amity doing? It's like, <laughs> that's what I am effectively doing by going to a race is telling, like, hundreds of people, like, hey, come to this race um and i do not feel good about that so i am not racing and i don't i mean it's hard to say but i don't think i'll be racing this year um i don't i don't really see a purpose yeah. i think we've all you know we're all very much at that like you know stages of grief that's like we are at acceptance and we are like making <laughs> the most of the year and you know doing other things and it's like some random win at some like underattended race like in the middle of nowhere like Isn't really going to, you know, boost my career to the next, you know, tier for next season or anything. So it's like, you know, I'd rather just find some projects that aren't, you know, going to hurt anybody. Well, that's why we're drinking at noon. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) No reason to drink. Who knows? (laughs) Um, Is America going to exist next year? Who knows? (laughs) May as well drink.
1: You have that beer. <laughs> well,
0: that's a, that's, exactly. a good, that's a good
1: place to end it. So uh, thank you for talking. <laughs> exactly. Our conclusion. <laughs> nothing matters. Have the beer. Nothing matters. <laughs> um, if, if you don't mind, before we get too much further, um, uh-huh. could you just give us a little bit of a background on how you um, started in endurance sport and all this? I know that endurance sports kind of run in your family a bit. Um, so yeah, could you just uh, like, how did you, how did you start with the, the cycle? Yeah. And, and um, all that?
0: I will keep that brief. Cause I sure. think I've gotten into that plenty of times, but um, uh, I, my parents run, my parents run, actually met through a club that was based on running really stupid long distances. Um, so My parents both were ultra runners and I grew up in that uh, environment of, uh, you know, if you don't know what to do, you go running or if you have any extra energy, you go running or if you're bored or if it's a weekend or if, you know, anything, you go running. Um, And so I started running with my parents pretty early, but never like seriously. It was more just like, oh, hey, we're going out to like, you know, these trails or whatever, like you can come if you want. Um, and then I dabbled a little bit in swim team in middle school, but ultimately like, you know, signed up for cross country and track and field in high school, um, did all that, um, was mediocre, um, loved it, loved it like crazy. Like it was like my, most of what I did was like, because of running, um, and because I loved running, I would like, you know, play my high school life around that. And then college, I actually went to university of Hawaii because (laughs) they're a d1 school but um they're kind of at the bottom of the d1 ranks in in running and so i was like cool i can go here and be important whereas like if i had chosen to go to a uc or something it's like i would (laughs) have definitely been like b team and not actually gotten to race much so that was like kind of a strategic decision on my part to like you know actually i don't know feel like i was necessary to to a team and kind of explore the running thing further um I pretty quickly realized that I wanted to run much longer distances than they let you run in college. Um, The longest cross country race is like a 7K. Um, So I started running farther and farther on my own, started hanging out with like the ultra marathon people on Hawaii. There's a pretty good club there. Um, Paced a few of them like for legs of like very different ultras, raced a couple 50Ks on my own, was like all in. And having a great time and was, like, pretty okay at it. Was, like, definitely better, like, the longer, you know, the race was and figured that out pretty quick. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, classic, you know, runner-to-cycling story just got plagued by all these um, chronic injuries and – little hip issue and some like GI distress and like some like foot problems and it's like it's like everything you hear from every runner who now (laughs) rides bikes um that was me um (laughs) so I took what I thought was a month off and met a bunch of people who are really into cycling and never really looked back I guess kind of you know got caught in this whirlwind of like riding farther and farther and like actually getting to do it with people, which was, like, really new for me as a runner because runners are, like, the most antisocial in the best way. Like, you have, like, <laughs> running clubs and stuff, but ultimately, like, you're alone out there. Um, whereas cycling, I was like, wow, I can just kind of, like, sit behind you and, like, have a nice time here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, got talks into doing the coast ride like a few months into cycling, which is this big ride from SF to Santa Barbara over three days, it's like 130, 140 miles a day. Um, did that as like so fresh, like such a newbie. Like I'm sure it pissed off a lot of people like not holding r- wheels right. And like, you know, half wheelie <laughs> people and like, you know, all this stuff. But I learned a lot and that kind of made me feel like I don't know it just made me feel good because i i did okay i wasn't like dying and a lot of people were dying and i was like maybe i'm good at this (laughs) um but yeah i got talked into racing did really well obviously in the lower categories and in road cycling this was pre-gravel which is crazy because this is like i'm talking like five years ago um so it's it's kind of insane to think of like how much has changed just you know in the scene itself um but (laughs) pre-gravel. <laughs> there were like little races, but you know, people were riding road bikes out of or cyclocross bikes. <laughs> um, and gosh, yeah. Um, got pretty disenchanted with road cycling about like my second year in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but that was right when you saw stuff like the grasshoppers get a little more popular and those were right in my area um, and Belgian waffle ride. And then, had a good friend who was like really like prescient in a way and like was like, hey, gravel's gonna be a thing. Like you should come to Gravel races. Like they're pretty exciting. Um so he convinced me to go to Gravel Worlds and Crusher and the Peshers. Um, yeah. And you know, kind of steamrolled from there, like
1: <laughs> Yeah. I, you know <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I, I've read it before and you said you've you've told the story before, but I think a lot of us have a similar progression from running to cycling and both Sheldon and I are yep. recovering <laughs> runners and I will never go back to running. <laughs> yeah. Meniscus surgery was enough Ooh. for me. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel very blessed to have like half quit before <laughs> I like really yeah. did myself in Yeah, cause I still, I still run probably twice a week. Okay. Um, I love it. Good. It is truly like my first love in a sense to sure. where when I'm like you need to do something. And I'm like, God, I don't want to ride my bike. It's like I can go running. And that's really nice. (laughs) So
1: you mentioned, I mean, you like four or five years, you've been cycling. You mentioned Mm -hmm. like that big coast ride that you did. And people may have thought, well, she's a newbie or whatever that did you find it uh, difficult just on a technical side of things to kind of get into the cycling sphere? Or did you just kind of dive in and learned quickly?
0: Um, I don't know. I think it's really hard to like have any perspective when you're in it. Um, I definitely for like the first year was really, really good at going uphill and really bad at going downhill. Um, (laughs) and realized that and made myself work on some things. Um, yeah, learn to learn to definitely like really enjoy the technical side of it. And I think that's kind of been the appeal of gravel for me too, is that it's not like hundred percent about your engine. I like my favorite races are always the ones where it's like, Hey, do you actually like, you know, ride on dirt in your normal life or like, are you fresh off the pavement here? <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that was, yeah, I think it was actually a large part of the appeal. Like the draw for me was that I had something to work on besides just like absolute fitness all the time.
2: Now, did you go from road to gravel or did you go road mountain gravel or where did mountain biking come in?
0: My first bike race was actually a grasshopper, which is quote unquote gravel. It's like 80% road, 20% like weird single track. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I've, <laughs> I'll be right back. I, I have to take a loaf of bread out of the oven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is so on brand for me. Wow. <laughs> it's not done yet it's not done yet um <laughs> um I need like 10 more minutes I'm sorry that's very unprofessional um <laughs> uh where were we <laughs> yeah the first race I did was a grasshopper um and that was like I just kept coming back to that because for me like once I decided to take it seriously, it's like kind of at that point, the clear path was through road, like through, you know, upgrading through all the categories, doing some bigger races, getting noticed by like a real team, Um, like a continental team, like Raleigh or like, you know, team, it was team 2016 at the time, but you know, those, those kind of people, Um, there wasn't really a like, Oh, well, if I take gravel really seriously, like I can end up with a career. Like that wasn't, you know, a thought going through anybody's mind at the point, but that those, type of races were kind of always what I came back to to like actually enjoy myself and road was what I did out of like, and, you know, just feeling like that was, you know, what I was supposed to do. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I always tell this story about, you know, going to Redlands, like my second year racing and having like the worst time ever and coming out of it really, really depressed. And then, um, I was already down in SoCal and the following week signed up for, um, the Belgian waffle ride, just friend was like this sick, you should come um and I did great there and I had the best time of my life and I was like oh dear (laughs) I might have to quit road racing (laughs) um I just I mean I was just incredibly lucky that you know my my personal timing was exactly the same timing that kind of gravel exploded so I
1: I, that kind of was a question of mine and (laughs) um I I see it in in a quite a few athletes it's like it's very uh like the stars kind of aligned and – I mean at least here in Michigan, road cycling is kind of declining, but gravel cycling is of course on, <laughs> on, on an up yep, just like everywhere maybe. else. But then yeah. you have these like real opportunities where athletes can be – can support themselves and be supported um, full-time. Mm-hmm. Are you a full-time athlete? Are you – right? Is this – is this your first year right like
0: <laughs> this was going to be my first year <laughs> it was going to be the year of like literally just riding bikes and traveling around and racing bikes and like head first into that because yeah. last year i for the first half of the season i was like working probably 20 to 30 hours a week as a barista which is just like what i've done as a day job for the last like you know five years because it pairs really well with running because you okay. can like Oh, I was sorry, a, with cycling. I was yeah. a former
2: barista and it was one of my favorite jobs of all time. I miss it so
0: much. It was much. so much fun. So much. <laughs> I just like I literally I have these little fantasies about like just getting to like work like behind a machine again and like serve nice oh. drinks and talk to like hundreds of people a day. And, like, <laughs>
2: I would love to like run my own coffee shop. That's like the I, dream.
0: If you if you want to get out of Michigan <laughs> we can talk. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't wish to move to Michigan. Yeah, this is not about you anymore.
3: <laughs>
0: I would love to <laughs> like my like plan B if I like suddenly get really slow or something is to just get like a really sweet little truck and like an espresso machine and show up to races and make coffee for people. Cause
2: yesterday morning I fun. went to a, uh, or not yesterday morning, two days ago I went to a <laughs> one of our local farmers market and there was a guy with like an old, like bread delivery truck that he had turned into like a rolling coffee shop and oh he did gosh. fire roasted coffee and it was great because it was on on site no he roasted it oh, okay, okay. but he's got like, like it's a, amazing but he's got uh a espresso machine and everything and his coffee was some of the best
1: coffee i've huh. ever had
0: that's wild yeah, that's fun
1: it was so good so anyways so you are a um this would be your your first year of being a uh a full time yeah. athlete, all the way into it, but so, but so it, I find like people find gravel different ways. They they go into yeah. it um, because they they love gravel, or they they see that opportunity, or gravel kind of finds them in an odd way. Um, how how is your relationship to gravel? Is it something that? Uh, what is the opportunity to race for you? And so it's like, here's where it is. That's why I'm going to race there. Or is it, I just love being out on dirt roads
0: or a little bit of both. (laughs) It doesn't
1: have to be either. I
0: think the overwhelming factor for me is, well, it's distance. Um, and it's the fact that, um, the, the men's and women's race are the same race. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really, really hard to have a perspective as like a guy on a bike, but as a female, if you like show up to a local woman's road race, um, you're often, you know, sitting there with maybe like six or seven other women if you're lucky. Um, and your race is at best like two thirds the distance of the men's race, usually like half. Um, and that just didn't suit me at all. Um, and I found it really depressing as I think probably a lot of people do. And I could have been like, you know, it's on me to change this. I need to inspire a bunch of women to like, you know, come out to road races and stuff. But I didn't really see myself like personally benefiting from road racing in any way to the point where I was like, I don't know why I would talk anybody into doing this because I was like kind of bored and kind of, you know, left like wanting at the end and like, you know, in all these like strange places where I guess, you know, like race organizers can afford to shut every road down and, you know, pay <laughs> like fifty bucks. <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah. Whereas, you know, you kind of size that up next to a gravel race, and which I was doing so directly because I was showing up to like both road races and gravel races. it's like okay I get to race a thousand other people I get to ride you know over a hundred miles and I get to do do so in like this destination place because I mean you look at gravel racing it's like it is in some of the most like stunning areas um and you can like really get out there because you're like going that far and like you have a more capable bike and make all these all these factors to where I was like even if I have like the worst race day ever if my body is like not there if my mind's not there anything it's like Fact of the matter is, I'm still like getting to ride like a nice long distance in a gorgeous place. Um, so it was like, well, yeah, obviously I would do that, you know, whether or not I'm good at it. Um, and then, you know, you get to ride with people, you get to meet a bunch of people, you get to feel like you're like, you know, in a real event, um, you know, all these things. Um, but yeah, I think by and large it was um, distance. Based for me, sure. <laughs> like show show me a road race anywhere that's two hundred miles or one hundred and fifty miles or you know even a hundred miles for women is like a stretch. So,
1: and I think like I guess that makes sense with your you, endurance background already. You'll be looking mm-hmm. for in an endurance sport in that sense or like mm-hmm. in a cycling. I mean, other people. I mean, I, I I often wonder. Gravel now has been compared to like the mountain biking of the nineties. And how big mm-hmm. mountain biking was then, and so I, I often wonder if people like uh, Ted King or Stetna, like it, if they would go the mountain bike route if it was the '90s instead of well, because yeah. gravel wouldn't didn't exist, and so if they if they left road biking and then came back and wanted to just do another thing, if they if they do mountain biking or or if gravel just speaks to them so much and mountain biking is just a little bit too out of the ordinary. Um, Yeah.
0: I don't, I don't think gravel is enough is like a defined enough thing for it to be anybody's like thing per se, you know, like it's kind of, this just like all encompassing thing where I feel like for me, it just covers like so many different territories that like, yeah, literally like the common denominator is like distance and like,
1: Field and, time. and maybe that's the success of gravel too it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be it's a lot of gray area sure and, and <laughs> gravel gravel in michigan is going to look different than gravel in california is going to look oh, different totally. than gravel in colorado sheldon did a ride last year um which actually just happened this it, weekend Yeah,
2: it was uh yes
1: or two, like, two days lake ago. city alpine yeah. Um, and it was, it was branded a gravel race and he, so he flies out there with his gravel bike and everyone's on full suspension mountain bikes. <laughs> I, I ended up blowing out a rim with like
2: three and a half miles to go. And I had a of 5k yeah. in cycling shoes. So, I mean, yeah, the, the
1: definition of, of, of gravel is, is fluid, I guess. If
0: yeah. Like depending and I think on where you a, are. I think it's a vibe thing too, where it's like, I mean, I can't speak for nineties mountain biking, but like, I think those were still like, you know, quote unquote races. Whereas, like, I think you see, like, the pros, like, Ted and, like, well, Pete's really competitive, so I don't really put him in the, like, retiree group. Um, But these, like, you know, retired cyclists can show up to gravel races and, like, pretend that, like, they're not serious anymore and, like, pretend that they're done with competition and say all these things and then, you know, casually win or casually not win. But, like, you know, it's still, I think, just feels different probably from a competition standpoint to where it's, like an event instead of a race a lot of the time. And and I
1: think that's another, uh, a pro for a a positive for gravel is that it can be competitive for people. It can be, Mm -hmm. it can be kind of everything for someone. It can, it's, it's a lot like, you know, it's compared to uh, a marathon race or something where there's pros that go out, but then you're still in the same Big group of people, and I can go run a four and a half hour marathon, but it's still the same day and the same marathon, same course that other people like, yep. a, like a guy that did a two eighteen or something. You know, the interesting thing also
2: with gravel, like you know, going from
1: we talked a little bit about
2: the road race world is you can almost it's more of a lifestyle uh, where athletes can even you don't have to absolutely podium every single time to kind of be quote unquote famous in the gravel world and that's the interesting thing because people enjoy the gravel lifestyle i guess i'm trying yeah. to say well like you said a vibe yeah it is that, a vibe that for vibe, sure. the, the, a vibe the gravel is uh you know yeah. i don't know it's, it's it's a very interesting take and i think without social media we wouldn't see gravel kind of growing the way it has because it just has this quote unquote vibe to it that really is drawing people in because you can go to these events you know you can be someone extremely fast like yourself and line up with uh trevor or i and at the end of the race (laughs) well yeah
0: but like yeah you know even speaking as a like you know extremely fast person it's like for every good race i have for every race where i'm like you know actually up front like fighting all these people it's like i probably have you know three or four races where i'm literally mid-pack like hanging out with yeah. people like you like <laughs> i'm just kidding um, but we you know are the, and we are like, the I'm, michigan I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's like, that's catchy but no yeah i mean and and i do i like hang out with all these random people and we like get to know each other and we like you know share snacks and like well, that's you know we, i'll
2: we got to know uh Takashida from Panaracer. What? Yes! Uh, oh
0: my god, I love her. She, so
2: she's from the Chicago area, but she comes to Michigan all the time. And uh, it was at this Lowell Fifty. It's a fall uh, road race that we or a uh, gravel race that we have here in Michigan. And like all of a sudden, I was riding next to her, started talking to her. And then after the race, because we both had the Blue Panaracer Gravel Kings on, we just started talking. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Holy cow! Like this is you know somebody in the world." And like. We just start talking she because it. oh she's, yeah. she's a is, character too. It,
1: it is the we can we can kind of uh, wax on this for probably too long, but I think it is it is <laughs> a it is a vibe, but it's that community, you know, and it, it's a it gravel has a lot of um, it has a welcoming pull compared to road. Sure, and and there's a lot of things that it it helps foster. And it, it does help foster community for sure. Just the way that it's just organically kind of comes about and the races are community-based and, and all of this. I, I have a question that I've been asking people and, it, and the listeners to this podcast probably – they either like the question or not. But whatever. I'm going to ask it <laughs> to you. Um, in terms of events and in terms of riding your bike and endurance, uh, th- you have competition and you have adventure. And I, Mm -hmm. those two can either be, you can, you can look at them differently or they can kind of work together. And I'm just wondering how you look at competition or adventure. And as you approach cycling, is it adventure and competition or is your adventure aside from competition?
0: Yeah, that's actually, that's, that's funny you ask it because I feel like for me, this whole like quarantine pandemic times has like really brought into focus, like just how much racing does actually matter to me because I've spent the last probably like three or four years being like, oh, I don't really care about racing. Like racing is just, you know, what I do so that I can go ride my bike in my day life and like, you know, get things for free and like, you know, turn it into something real. (laughs) It was very much like I race so that I can casually ride like more freely and go on these adventures and do it for myself. Whereas like I certainly know a lot of people Um, like my friend, Colin Strickland, who literally rides to race, like every ride he goes on is to like, be better at the next race. Um, and that was never my mindset. Like I was like, I don't even, you know, I can't even imagine, you know, living that way. Um, and then, um, she's checking her bread right now, by the way, (laughs) I was so sorry. This is like the worst timing ever.
1: I
2: am curious. What kind of bread are you making?
0: Oh man, it is a sourdough bread. Yes, obviously, um, <laughs> with dried apricots and like an oat porridge. What? I'm getting pretty elaborate these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like seventy percent whole wheat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I we could have a whole different podcast about bread but this isn't a bread that, podcast that's our now so our opening sequence is talking
1: about bread <laughs> just a bread
0: podcast <laughs> I'll start a bread podcast yeah, you should. That's, <laughs> that's okay um, but yeah so wow I'm all over the place this morning Um, but yeah and so you know I always insisted it wasn't about racing and then you know I had racing kind of taken away from me i'm like what why am i riding bikes (laughs) um well
1: like where's so yeah like where's the motivation yeah, yeah
0: and so it's definitely been like this kind of forced reckoning of like oh wait like i actually really really care about racing and that's a huge motivator for me and it's only easy to say it's not when i like you know can take it for granted um So yeah, but I think it has also been healthy in a sense for me of then having to like go back to like when I first started riding a bike and being like, well, what was making you go on all these crazy rides then? You know, what was, you know, getting you outside? Um, And it's 100% like servled me back to like, oh, like, I really, really love this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I do it. And, you know, results are secondary um and i feel like i can actually say that from a genuine place now <laughs> um whereas like i was probably saying that all last year but then you know living by my you know successes and failures in racing so
1: i think that's that's one thing that we've said over and over again is a positive take from covid is that we've been forced yeah. to just to approach cycling <laughs> or approach life in a whole different way and then mm-hmm. things like cycling where maybe it's been all about competition we've had to stop and say well maybe this is maybe this is just it it helps us fall back in love with what we've been doing all along which is riding a bike and Mm -hmm. and and maybe it was we had a different relationship with the bike last year but now the relationship with the bike is is a little bit different but then it helps us long for the days of <laughs> racing and, yeah and, and i mean up. i feel
0: very silly even elaborating on this because i've been on a bike for like so short a time it's like how many like you know ups and cycles and whatnot can i go through really because i'm still you know at the end of the day it's like i'm still like 100 percent like a newbie so i mean who knows i i don't i don't really know much that's why i i mean, i i know i i did well last year i won a big race but it's like <laughs> ultimately like i still feel so awkward like being on all these podcasts and talking to all these people as if i'm some like gravel expert And it's like i don't know what the heck i'm doing like i learn so much every year still that it's like i'm i'm still in this phase of figuring it out so
1: yeah I think, yeah i mean
0: not an expert <laughs> I,
1: I i like the the but the the great thing about adventure or approaching things with adventure is like it it can bring you back to a time where you were on an old BMX bike when you were a kid. Yeah, it's not necessarily when I started racing. My first season of racing. It could be when I rode to the the store when I was 14 years old to to mm-hmm. you know. It's like it's the it's the as as raw as it can get. Like just really falling in love or back in love with the bicycle. Just using it totally. as Just a just a, a a fun tool, a fun toy, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. It,
2: it enables you to, you know, you stop caring as much what your computer is saying and being able to, you know, stop at an overlook and take the picture that you want to put up on Instagram about, about your ride and less about mm-hmm. just what your Strava says at the end of the day.
0: And, yeah. And that, that's kind of always been me. It's like I take, you know, months off at a time from Strava and, as much as Wahoo has tried, I like will not consistently wear a heart rate monitor um or talk about my, my numbers or I don't even have power on any of my bikes right now, which is probably the least professional thing I could say. But um like I don't care. Like I really don't care. Like <laughs> like I just I can see it making a difference in like a very high level, very hard, fast road race where it's like I have this much to spend, I gotta spend it at exactly the right time. Like no room for error. But I'm like, it's gravel, like just go hard. I like or don't, but like <laughs> I just <laughs> uh I don't know. I, I don't know how people get so wrapped up in the numbers. So like you, even like mid pack people, they're like, oh yeah, I like held this power for like this many minutes and like, you know, this whatever. And I'm just like, I have no idea what my FTP is, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you, you
1: mentioned last year winning a big race and definitely last year you've had, you had a lot of success. And I, a question I had is when or I have is with success, Comes a lot of responsibility, and you kind of were, you kind of mentioned this earlier. It's like if you go to a race now, you're kind of you have maybe you're telling hundreds of people, "Hey, come to this race," even though maybe it's not mm-hmm. the most responsible thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you you have a responsibility to be a voice for sponsors, and then you have a responsibility to be a voice for maybe a cause or something else, and you put up a pretty powerful. Instagram post a few months ago um, about the changing of the race mm-hmm. name in, in Kansas, and uh, we. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to talk about that, but I do want to talk yeah. about how you. Um, now, with your success, maybe you are you you have a bigger voice, and maybe now yeah. you are a, a larger role model for people. And is that a difficult thing for you to? grasp or is it something easy to go into how do you how are you dealing with that
0: um i certainly had um a heck of a time like the in the month following dk last year where yeah i had to talk to all these people and my overwhelming thought was just like I'm going to mess this up um, <laughs> or like, I'm going to say the wrong thing or like, Oh God, nobody, you know, prepared me for like, you know, a time when people actually like wanted to listen to what I had to say. Cause it's like, I don't usually say much um, <laughs> or, you know, worry what people think or all that. And it was like, it just shot me into this place of like, Oh gosh, like what are people going to think about me? Like, what do I say? How are people going to take this? Like, you know, all this stuff. But I think, I don't know. I mean, I also feel guilty complaining about it because it's like, it's a very lucky position to be in. I mean, I've certainly worked for it, um, but I definitely got here a lot faster than I think a lot of people do. And I think a lot faster than I anticipated. Um, so I definitely kind of put myself through this crash course in, I guess, always just trying to speak from a, I don't know, a healthy perspective and like, you know, good point of view. But um, I, I'm i like struggling with how to put it. Um, like, I ultimately feel, feel lucky to be kind of somebody that people are, you know, asking these things. And somebody people are talking to and somebody people are listening to because I think overwhelmingly like the faces of gravel up to this point have been like largely kind of old white suits um (laughs) and that's never gonna be like healthy for the future of any sport and I think that's kind of been the face of cycling for so so long and I think just being somebody in kind of a younger generation as to most of like you know the previous like important people in the sport or like people who are getting interviewed people like people we're talking to it's just i'm kind of i think a little bit better in touch with i don't know just kind of the change that everybody wants to see and you know this almost this feeling of obligation to just create something that represents everybody and you know is truly open to everybody like we talk about gravel as this like welcoming discipline um and Mm -hmm. like a diverse field and like all these things and i'm like i don't know what diversity you're looking at but (laughs) you know like we can we can do so much better like you're not even trying and i think like what has been so so encouraging is that just even in this last season like in 2019 there were so many races that made this massive push for getting women involved like BWR was even doing like a one for one at one point where it's like if a a woman bought an entry like they got a free woman's entry to like bring their friend and I'm like that's amazing and it's like I talk about this with my partner too I'm like if I start a race I am opening up as many women's spots as like I can fill and only like one man gets to enter per woman entered. So it's like (laughs) the women's entries determine the number of men's entries. And then we have actual parody. And then we can like uh... talk about parody instead of like saying parody and being like, Oh, you know, asterisk, you know, 25% woman. Um, that's not parody. Um, (laughs) and you know, we're making like, even just in a year of people caring about that, of people talking about it, of people like being fired up and being like, okay, what can we like actually implement here to get more women out? Like we got so many more women out, um, which kind of just proves all those people wrong of like, oh, well, like there just aren't women out there, you know? And I think you get into that same dangerous <laughs> territory when you talk about actual diversity. It's like you run into these people being like, well, like we didn't know any black people who rode bikes. And it's like, <laughs> shut up. Like, <laughs> you know, just like, like this exact same, you know, kind of sweeping changes can be made to just, you know, encourage a more diverse field, I feel like, um, or to make it more accessible or to make, you know, their path there a little easier because like their initial path has been so much harder. And it's like, you know, I think it's just this like wake up call where, you know, the people in the sport, the people like me with the actual power to like, you know, call up a race director and be like, here's what to do. It's like yeah, I do feel like, you know, it's my job to like, try to do something about that. Um, Because it's really it's like, who else like you expect all these like, (laughs) retired people to do it? It's like, I don't have faith that they will. So, you know, um, and I but I feel like, I don't know anybody else, you know, my age or younger in the sport, who would fight me on that. I think we all want the same thing. Um, and so to just, you know, be able to come out and be like, yeah, we want this, I think is, is absolutely crucial to it happening. So,
1: yeah. And I think a lot of people appreciate that you are doing that. And I know a lot of other people are, are, are wanting that and doing that, but it does take someone, um, that has that voice that, uh, has that success to maybe, Get maybe some things changed, or at least have yeah s- some of these, yeah, or at least heard.
0: you know put put the voices that we're not listening to kind of at the front. And that's something right. like i I definitely always feel like I could do better at is just kind of you know, lifting up other people of like, hey, actually like you know, like <laughs> listen to them. Um, you know, I you know, like I said before, I really don't know what I'm talking about in a lot of situations. so, um, yeah, but. Who knows? I am optimistic about gravel because I do feel like kind of as the disciplines, as disciplines go, it's like gravel is still so, it's just like a democracy in that like, there isn't a governing body. Um, And so the people who determine the rules, the people who determine what's cool or what's happening or what's not, it's like, that's all just based on like, how much people like it or how much, you know, the community as a whole kind of deems it important. Um, And I think Think that makes it like an especially useful tool for like change and you know, new things. So,
2: so we kind of this was a question I had (laughs) in my head like a half hour ago, but I I did (laughs) want to ask you a bit about um, so you know, pre March of this year, what was your 2020 schedule going to be looking like before everything just went? out the window <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so i obviously had you know like you prioritize races this is something i learned like two years ago you know so take <laughs> like that will. but as a professional you are supposed to like prioritize races like make a list at the beginning of the year and be like i care the most about this one um <laughs> i'm going to so-called uh peak at this time um and so obviously for me this year I had to be dk um, as that number one, and I actually felt pretty confident in that because the course last year really suited me. Um, it could, I mean, it's Kansas. I will always come out of it being like, I could have climbed more. Um, but like kind of like the, the crux, um, which is where I like, you know, came out in front was this like series of really steep hills, like towards the end. And I'm like, that's perfect for me. I like some, some nasty thing, right. When everybody's dying. <laughs> um, Perfect. And so that was my number one. And then actually what is kind of funny to talk about because it was all supposed to happen and didn't. Um, I've been riding mountain bikes a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I think a lot of it is my tendency to like do well at something and then immediately like move on and be like, okay, well, what can I do that I'm terrible at? Um, <laughs> Cause that's, that's, I don't know. That's kind of always been my mindset, but um, yeah. So I started riding mountain bikes, I guess a year ago now. Um, was really bad at it, um, to be honest, but was liked it enough to be in a place of, like, I want to, you know, compete a little bit. Um, so my number two race on this hypothetical list was um, Leadville, sure. yep. um, which a lot of people joke about as being the, the first gravel race. Um, so, you <laughs> yeah. know, that speaks to its technicality. <laughs> but, you know, what I saw was a... Yeah, what I saw was a really long, really climbing intensive yeah. race at altitude. And I was like, uh, yes, I'm, I really I really want to go do well at that. And it was also kind of a way to, I guess, broaden, broaden what I do as an athlete um, and not just kind of be in this teeny little hole of a gra- as a, like a gravel cyclist. It's like, <laughs> you know, I don't know, that, that feels a little limited to me. It sounds me like we need to know? get
2: you out here for Margie Gessick.
0: What's
2: that? It's uh, maybe you don't want to know. I guess <laughs> it, it, Jer- Jeremiah Bishop <laughs> oh, called do, it the hardest one-day event in North America. It's. A, I trust.
0: I trust JB to
2: it's, speak the truth. It's. It's a. From, we personally have not done it. Yeah. Uh, I don't mountain bike. Trevor doesn't mount. Or Trevor does mountain bike, but uh,
1: it's a dabble
2: in. The it, bike. It's a hundred mile mm-hmm. up in uh, northern Michigan, and it is uh, sadistic to say the least, from what we hear. Ooh. So, Mar- Margie yeah.
0: guess a,
1: a, a twelve—is it a twelve-hour finish? Is 13, like thirteen hours gets you about belt buckle. So thirteen hours is like that's a quick, yeah. quick one. People I mean,
0: do D, it DK, my my time at DK was twelve fifty nine. Okay. So yeah, I'm used to having my butt in the saddle for that long, but. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <So> yeah. If, <laughs> if, if you, it's if, true
0: mountain biking, I'll probably be walking the good twenty percent of the time. So so it like,
3: <laughs> so.
1: Is it safe to say that like Leadville maybe was one of your, like what excited you for this season? Totally. Yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. Because, you know, I can look at Kansas and be like, well, I've done this twice. I've won this once. Um, Yeah. And like still very much excited about it, I guess. Um, But I, it is, you know, I think it's safe to say familiar at that point. Um, Yeah. And Leadville was like this, great unknown of like and that's that's what I love I think that's what a lot of people you know who do this love is like the, the the big unknowns that you end up with um yeah and so Leadville Leadville had me very excited um and then I was also yeah just doing all the main gravel races um sprinkling of new ones and then was gonna try to squeeze a couple of the uh, epic rides in there too and you know really really challenge myself (laughs) um yeah just do something different just to like i also thought it'd be really nice to just show up to a race and not you know immediately feel pressured to win it which has kind of become like my my norm unfortunately and gravel of like You know, what I experienced like post-Kansas win was like, yeah, you'd come to a race and immediately people would be like, well, are you going to win? (laughs) (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) like, maybe I don't feel like winning today, (gasps) but you can't say that. So mountain biking was kind of this like nice little window to be like, well, nobody expects me to win this. I'm terrible (laughs) at mountain biking. So, but. Yeah, I guess that's all next year, although now I really don't have any excuses because I've had a whole other e-bike year to work on my skills and actually, you know, come out of it saying like I'm a mediocre mountain biker. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, next year definitely expects a, a healthy mix of mountain biking and gravel, and:
1: Now it's not as long as Margie Gessick, but we have a very famous mountain bike race in Michigan. Iceman.
0: you really trying to get me to Michigan. Why I've heard I mean, of Iceman. <laughs> didn't didn't Kabush do that on a gravel bike? He did. Yep, he
1: did yep. on a drop bar, yeah. yeah he, um, he, he, won, he won it, yeah. He won it uh two years, two years ago, ago he won on a crazy on a, on a man.
0: Bike. I'm good I'm good friends with Jeff. He's he's wonderful.
1: So it would be a, it would be a Kind of probably a different riding style because it's like thirty some miles and just all out the whole, mm-hmm. whole time. And but l- uh, last year was mm-hmm. a thirty mile cyclocross
2: race because it, it was, was so a man, <laughs> and it was an absolute disaster of a course the entire time. <laughs> this but
0: sounds like something I'd be into. It is.
1: I, I, I think we we love to talk about Iceman, and we love. To, there's another big race, Barry Roubaix, uh, yeah. in um, in uh-huh. Michigan, and we I love to talk about these two. Just. Because it's more than just the race itself. It's just uh, mm-hmm. it really brings out the whole Michigan community and and people from all I've, over. Yeah. And it's just a it's I've a party. I've heard the
0: legends of Iceman. Yeah. <laughs> 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 when when is Iceman?
1: So it's it's in the like the first weekend of November, which is it was canceled this oh, okay. year. So, oh, gotcha. Um,
0: yeah, no, I've certainly. That's one of those races that you like you hear the like legends you know <laughs> and you're like oh that's like someday which is kind of funny because like I definitely felt that way about Kansas when I like first started racing gravel it's like I was good friends with um Yuri Housewald. Mm-hmm. um and he had just won it during like the gnarliest weather year ever <laughs> um but he just lives up in Petaluma and I was in the bay at the time and like like, people would talk about it as this, like, you know, very, like, impossible, like, unreachable thing, this, like, thing you did when you were, like, really good, like, when you were, like, really knew what you were doing in gravel, and, like, were very experienced, and, like, all this stuff, and you're, like, yeah, you you go to Kansas, you do, like, you know, DK200, and it was, for me, like, first couple years, I was, like, yeah, that's crazy, I was, like, (laughs) that's that's a big race, I was, like, maybe someday I'll do that race, um, and then, yeah, I got the opportunity to do it two years ago and definitely went in still just like freaking terrified of like, you know, and I don't even know what I was scared of. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I can't even like pinpoint it to like, oh, this is what I was worried about. It's just like, it's just kind of like larger than life, I guess, in a sense to where you're like, ooh, DK. Um <laughs> But yeah, you do it and you're like, wait, really? Like that's, that's what I was worried about. Um <laughs> And, yeah, I don't know maybe maybe iceman is is worse than it sounds, but for me, like Kansas, I was like, really, guys, I was like, that wasn't that bad <laughs>
1: so, as you're saying that i I do wonder, um you've kind of self described yourself as a as a newbie, which you're not. There's no way that you're a newbie. I mean, like <laughs> you you're you <laughs> you you are experienced, you're an experienced cyclist, but um but, for someone who is getting into it and wants to start mm-hmm. racing um, d- what kind of what kind of words of wisdom can you whether it's a whether it's a man, whether it's a woman, whether it's anyone mm-hmm. like uh what do you have any I don't know do you
0: yeah, do I have advice um i I don't know. I think it is such a personal thing for me. And I think, you know, for everybody, like, talking about these distances and these efforts, like, it is just largely personal and, like, kind of perspective-based. And I am incredibly lucky. Like, I cannot, like, express how lucky I am to have, like, grown up in a household where, like, I knew my mom had, like, run 100 miles before, you know? Like, that kind of thing where it's, like, my perspective of, like, well, is that, you know, this like badass thing to do? Or is that adventurous? Or is that, you know, like a hard thing? It's like, my perspective has been like skewed from the beginning to where like, if I ride 50 miles, I'm kind of like, well, you know, could have ridden more. Um, Or like, you know, whatever, like, it's not a big deal to me. Whereas like, you pull somebody off the street, and you're like, I rode my bike for 50 miles. They're like, holy shit, 50 miles. You know, it's like, and it ends up just so skewed depending, like, who you talk to, who you listen to, who you look up to, and then, you know, there's social media and all of it. Like, all this stuff. It's just, like, it's really, it's just, like, about you. Um, and I think that's, like, been also what I, like, continue to take away from it is, like, you know, even, like, during the pandemic, you see all these people, like, you know, doing these really cool things and, like, working on these projects and, like, you know, right, Everest and all this bullshit and it's like I can only get caught up in that so much because like I'm never going to Everest and I don't want to Everest but it's so easy to see somebody Everesting and be like oh gosh like should I Everest (laughs) and it's like no it's like I don't want to you know and so it's like just I think you're always going to end up in a really good spot if you just truly like pursue it like for yourself and be like you know come out of every day being like okay well like you know what do I enjoy about this what do I like and it's like go do that Like, you know, don't do what everybody else is doing all the time because you like, I don't think that really leads you to, I don't know, finding a lot of satisfaction in it or, I mean, certainly not for me. And it's like, I only ended up riding really long distances and like, you know, taking my bike off pavement and like, you know, all these little things. It's like, I did that all for myself just kind of out of a curiosity of like how far I could push myself and like, you know, what I could do on a bike and you know, just what interested me. And it's like, just, you know, be selfish. (laughs) That's my advice. That's
1: that's great advice. (laughs) And that's, uh, I think it's a kind of a good, good place for us to, to kind of leave this. (laughs) Uh, we will talk later. It's somehow been an hour. This (laughs) always
0: happens to me in podcasts. I'm like, (laughs) I start out being like, oh, I don't, I don't talk that much. Like I'm not, you know, a really talkative person. <laughs> and then I like, I'm like, oh dear, it's been an hour, but, um,
1: <laughs> No, this is, this well, I'll, <laughs> I'll talk to you later about this coffee shop. I like this
0: idea. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um,
1: I do have a, a quick question though. Are there any, um, are there any upcoming secrets that you can let us know? Is there going to be like a new Rockwell <laughs> Canyon bike coming out or is Ooh. there going to be, uh, Some big sponsorship. I'm afraid I'm
0: not that important. Um, (laughs) You can just
1: make it up. I mean, like, just lie to
0: us. (laughs) I have a few things. I have um, a little video series with Monster Energy coming out, which makes me sound way cooler than I am. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, yeah, no, Monster has surprisingly been an amazing partner in all this um we they actually got in touch with me at belgian waffle ride in 2019 so before kansas i guess i was already on their radar of like oh this person you know like rides really far and is somebody you know we want to support yeah um but yeah they have consistently been like a very involved sponsor which is rad and
1: they've been doing a lot a lot for um a lot of cyclists Recently. Yeah, this yeah. Is- they
0: sponsor like a domestic team. They've sponsored the like STG gravel team for a while. And then what I find so cool about it is they actually make like a product I use. They actually make the like hydro beverage, which is a perfect racing product. It's like if I made like a drink to race with, it's like that's what I would make because it's it's BCAAs, which I used to take in pill form like before that drink, and sugars and electrolytes. And it's just like so so easy and it doesn't bother my stomach and most things do so that has been awesome to actually be able to be like use this
2: i'm not familiar Um, with that
0: yeah yeah it's just um it's monster hydro so it's Mm -hmm. like the people like i always tag in my posts it's like it's a offshoot of like the monster energy brand okay um but yeah, I mean, I think it's great. It comes in all these flavors and they all taste like Otter Pops to me. So it's basically like <laughs> drinkable, <laughs> drinkable candy. But um, yeah, they're, I see them in like gas stations all the time. Like they're, they're out there, but definitely worth seeking out if you have, if you have a race coming up or like a hard effort, I, I totally rely on them. Cool. But um, yeah. Um, so I have something coming out with them that we just worked on pretty recently. Um And that's a little video series with myself and some of their other athletes. And um, I just had that little Canyon video come out. Um, And then as far as like, actually like competition based things go, um, I already said this in my last podcast, so I guess I can say it again. Um, (laughs) I am attempting an FKT of the white rim Mm. in probably about a month, but, you know, weather depending.
1: So speaking of mountain biking, right? You ride a mountain bike for that? For
0: sure? <laughs> I will be on a mountain yeah. bike. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Great. I, um, I am, I'm talking to, um, Stetton about it cause he's got his eye on it as well. And he actually reconned it on a gravel bike and was like, yeah, don't do that.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I am, I'm taking it from him. I will be doing it on probably the Canyon Lux, um, which has been my, my cross country bike this year. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. I don't, we're not setting a date because, um, you know, you have to wait till it rains and you know, the wind has to be perfect, you know, all these little things. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to, you know, lay down a fast time for that because, you know, women haven't been really doing that. Um, so excited to kind of put that on the map and then, yeah, if that goes well, might go after some other ones. Um, very cool. Yeah.
1: Well, we thank you so much for joining us your morning, <laughs> yeah. our afternoon. And, uh, this was, this was great. It was I'm great. Gonna,
0: I'm going to get a beer right after yes. this. Worry. Do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Beer and bread. What we, else we, do yeah. you need? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and and since you um, agreed to it, we'll see you in Michigan for sure for Iceman and for Barry Roubaix.
0: Totally. No, I've been meaning, I've been meaning to do Barry because everybody's like, this is like the actual biggest gravel race. You know, know, every time, every time you're like, Kansas is the biggest gravel. They're like, actually, in Michigan. <laughs> the, um. the, the party,
2: the party afterwards is epic. Yeah, it's pretty like, great. That okay. and Iceman are too known for like.
0: Yeah, no. Thank you for reminding me about Ice Man because I will I will for sure put that on the schedule now. That sounds excellent,
1: Amity. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for doing this It what was you're great doing. meeting you. Totally. Thank you for talking with totally. us. Totally. I
0: will talk to you guys again soon. I guess. Absolutely. We'll Absolutely. See you at an event whenever those are Hopefully. happening. Hopefully.
1: Yes, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Have a thank great you. day.
0: Someday. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. <laughs> the Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling the source for your bike accessories and
2: necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, or call our hotline at
1: 616- 522-2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by Trevor Gibney. Sheldon Little handles the social media, graphic design, And of course, bad decisions. And a huge thank you to Amity Rockwell for joining us for this episode. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack.